people that it's okay to to make art about being happy or finding happiness. It's okay mm. to make art about healing. You you're you're allowed to have faith. You're allowed to be positive. You don't have to um, give yourself to this sort of uh, swirling chaotic gay moral universe. You, that mm. doesn't have to be your worldview. You don't have to um, be a nihilist. That's mm. all. And and that and that fiction can have a role in developing hope and faith and belief in, in, in people and that, and that it's okay to be happy it's okay for fiction to make you feel happy yeah you don't always have to be looking into the void <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be a deep person yeah. <laughs> yeah. books don't have to be depressing they don't have to be, and it's actually after i wrote this that i started to realize just how depressing so many novels are mm. um and, I, and i'd never questioned that before because maybe i thought that's what a novel's meant to be And welcome back to the Vintage Podcast with me, Lena Norms. How was your Christmas break? Good. Mine was great. Thanks for asking. Um, so we're thinking, of course, as most people are, about January and the social and cultural implications of January. Uh, bettering yourself, starting again, and really inspecting uh, who you are and how the last year has gone. I could think of nobody better to pull into the office than Rajiv, who is the uh, author of the very new book, Professor Chandra Follows His Bliss, that is out this January. Uh, it follows the life of Professor Chandra, uh, who is an expert at complex problems. And when he's injured in a horrible bike accident, what flashes before his eyes uh, isn't his life, but his life's work. He's just narrowly missed out on the Nobel Prize again. And even though he wants to go straight back to his pie charts, his doctor has other ideas. So reluctantly, Professor Chandra embarks on a trip of a lifetime to California to find his bliss. I sat down with author Rajiv uh, to talk about art, happiness, the impending doom of the 24-hour news cycle, fear of robots, fascism, the benefits of meditation, and what makes us turn into who we want to be. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Here is me and Rajiv. Rajiv, yes. thank you so much for joining me in my podcast cave. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, really excited to talk to you about your new book. Do you think, do you, I'm sure you're sick of doing this now, but do you think you could summarise it in a few sentences? Or is that not possible? That's possible. Because I also feel like a fraud when I ask authors that, because I'm like, if it could be explained in a few sentences, you wouldn't have written a book. Well, so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so give, give us a little peep into it. Yes. Well, it's about a highly conservative neoliberal Indian economist mm -hmm. called Professor Chandra, who's at Cambridge. Mm -hmm. And um, one day he gets hit by a bicycle while he's having his usual rumination whether or not he's going to win the Nobel, and it looks like he's never going to win it, and he's very upset about he's, it. Because he's just found out that this year wasn't his year. He's just found out <laughs> this wasn't his year. His wife has left him for a child psychiatrist, a Californian child psychiatrist. One daughter is a raving Marxist who won't talk to him. The other one is slowly but surely getting into drugs. And his son is off in Hong Kong being a sort of new age capitalist. And, they've uh, all gone astray in their own unique astray. ways. <laughs> so he gets hit by the bicycle, he wakes up in hospital, and he's had a silent heart attack. And his Californian doctor tells him, you've got to follow your bliss, otherwise you're going to die. Mm -hmm. So he ends up getting a visiting professorship in California where he learns to follow his bliss. Amazing. I mean, that's the first chapter. Yeah, that's the first <laughs> um, 
so like because um so much of it is rooted in in his idea of success at the beginning and you're you're an academic yourself you've studied no no, at, no 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 but you studied at oxford i have you have that's that an academic. academic no 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 well, <laughs> you're imposter syndrome here yeah, I don't want anyone to know okay, I'm, sorry. I'm only pretending to have imposter syndrome. <laughs> um, well, well we, you've had a taste of Oxford I and, the, and the Oxford life. That, that's an academic. It's not real. I don't have a I'm job. I'm going to stand by. <laughs> I mean, most... Well, yeah, anyway. You've existed in that Boris Oxford Johnson space. went to Oxford. Is he? Oh, that's true. He's obviously not an academic. I mean, a, a, <laughs> academic is a state of mind, surely. And it's a job. It's a state of money. <laughs> it's a state, it's a state, of, a state of money. Well, um... You you've been you've been watching these academics. You've been around them a lot. Would you say that? I grew up least? around you, academics. Yes. Everyone in my family has a PhD. My parents are both academics. Wow. Uh, That's pa- why you probably don't think it's extraordinary. I think it's extraordinary you have a PhD. Yeah, I think it's normal. <laughs> this is the problem. <laughs> That's, the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the world. Um, so, what what inspired you to write about somebody who is so you know ha, ha, is not only just engrossed in that world, but has actually risen to a pretty prominent space in it? What what made you want to write from that? Well, I mean, partly it's wanting to deconstruct the idea of success, mm. you know, because it's such a success-oriented world that we live in. Everything's money, fame, celebrity, and there's this idea that once you gain success, then you're happy. And mm. I think it was my own practice of meditation that taught me that that's absolutely not true, mm. and that the more success you get, the more you want, you, the, the more envious people who've got more you want, the more you realize, well, there's one accolade I don't have, you know, I've got everything else, I haven't got the Nobel, then you get the Nobel and then you say, well, I'm not royalty. Mm. And then you become royalty and you say, well, I'm only a king of a fairly small country. And then on and on it goes, you know, and it's endless because the problem isn't um, uh, lack of achievement. The problem is, is, is internal. The problem is emotional. So that was what I wanted to tackle. The sort of um, rich people's misery, if you like, or successful people's misery. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's interesting, like to take it from an academic successful perspective because I think we have we already have in our minds the idea of the unhappy businessman <laughs> who's yeah. made all the money and is yeah. is sitting in a tower uh, and and it doesn't actually seem that happy but having the academic side is, is in some ways I think we have a society that's that is geared towards um academia being in, an in a state of enlightenment right but, well, but the, I suppose this book thing. is saying actually I don't you know it's actually somewhere over here well I think it's the, it's using the intellect to solve all your problems doesn't work because mm. the problems are in the heart, you know. So it's that it's that journey from the the head to the heart that I was interested in him in with him, that he thinks yeah. that by being so smart, that that must give him some sort of advantage in life, and 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 he's learning that it doesn't. That life isn't about being able to crunch problems. Yeah. So and you you practice meditation yourself. I meditate two hours a day. Wow, yeah. that's a lot. Have you always done that? or has uh, that been... It's been about 12 years now. Wow. Before that, I had a very different lifestyle, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> you were like, this is my uh, well, turning I, point. Uh, yeah, the, well, medita- after, after I I did my first 10-day meditation course, that is a Vipassana meditation, mm-hmm. then, a, a, you know, it was a slow what, process. What's that kind of meditate? What's it called? A Vipassana. What does that mean? It's uh, Vipassana literally means... Um, Insight meditation is usually the, the translation. Okay. Um, what it does is it makes you, <laughs> it makes you almost instantly self-aware, which is a very odd thing. Okay. Uh, like holding up a mirror to you, and um, and it dredges up your long-held complexes and neuroses and issues and forces you to confront with them. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> My first one was terrifying. Yeah. Right. So is that the first kind of meditation you tried, or did you try other types? Of, sort of do you have to graduate with... to that kind of? 
you can't really prepare yourself for right, it. Right. Okay. It, it's it's just it just drops you in, mm. and uh, it's like just pushing yourself off a psychological cliff. That, right. Well, that's what it was for me. Yeah. If if you're in a better place, maybe or a more aware or wiser place when you begin, then maybe it's not. But for me, I I wasn't in a very good place. Yeah. I did this. I fell apart completely, spectacularly. Yeah. And then I had to rebuild myself. Right. So it's the reassembling that is part of it so do you think um as as a writer um because you've written a few books before like do you think that um meditation has helped you with writing is it something or do they intersect at any point or is it more just well they've intersected with this novel really yeah and until then i actually was wondering if they were going in opposite directions you, <laughs> really? know? you were like i think meditation's making me <laughs> well it's making me a bit boring i said you know i yeah. stopped drinking alcohol stopped taking any drugs i was you mm. know it became uh, you know, I uh, stopped lying. I mean, how the hell could you have an interesting <laughs> life? If what you kind of lying? fiction writer can't lie? <laughs> but then, um, and you know, I, I did actually try to write a novel that dealt with meditation, but it was just, it was very sort of serious and worthy mm. and earnest. And that wasn't, that's a trap. I mean, there's a, there's a guy, uh, Trungpa, uh, he's a Tibetan Lama, he talked about spiritual materialism, where, where you, you, you pursue some kind of spiritual path and it actually makes you more egotistical. Oh, wow, because you've seen that you've achieved that spiritual path. So you're like, oh, well done me. Well, I'm down there. I'm really spiritual. I'm spiritual than you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind mm. of thing. So um, with this, I uh, because it's essentially a humorous novel, mm. that helped me to not fall into that trap of excessive earnestness of its spiritual materialism. So it's kind of this, like, almost laughing at, not yourself, but like, at the character a little bit, laughing with him and at him. <laughs> And, and at myself, his, yeah. insofar as myself is encoded into the book, is laughing at myself too, but very much, well, laugh, but with affection, laughing with love. That's why yeah. I don't call it satirical, because it's not trying to take him down a peg or two, it's trying to be witness to his follies. Mm. And did you find it hard to get into his mindset, or was it something that you were like, oh, I, I used to be like that? Was it, was it a hard thing to write his character, and did you come up against any walls? No. That was very, very easy. He just, <laughs> He's familiar. He, well, he just appeared one day and it was as if I'd known him. I, I, I always know what he would do and I know his inner monologue and he, he uh, he's very, very familiar to me. Wow. Because you, you know, some authors will say like they're, um, they're like slowly creating the characters from scratch. But then, then yeah, like, like that's other authors will say, oh, actually, they've always existed to you. Do you think there's something spiritual in, in that kind of practice of like writing down people that you feel are already there? I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. I think it at it's all. a bit mis- mystical. Well, like, I don't know if it's don't mystical. But I just don't understand. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's also like um, there's lots of writers that you study, uh, at least in an English degree at university, who are always haunted and they have like opium addictions or they have like these very serious like um, mental illnesses or or um, yeah like par- party lifestyles for like the 18th century basically. Um, but do you think your books kind of trying to say something to that as well that kind of like there's no need to live a miserable life <laughs> to be a genius or to be successful because I think sometimes that we think the, the myth is that they come hand in hand that pain well I mean that was my lifestyle previously yeah. <laughs> so I mean it's partly saying that to myself but mm. I don't know if that's I think it rather than, than you don't have to have a miserable lifestyle I think the book is saying that um, well it's not saying this but yeah. but you could read from the book that um well, that it's okay to to make art about being happy or finding happiness. It's okay mm. to make art about healing. You you're you're allowed to have faith. You're allowed to be positive. You don't have to um, give yourself to this sort of uh, 
swirling, chaotic, amoral universe. You, that mm. doesn't have to be your worldview. You don't have to um, be a nihilist. That's mm. all. And and that and that fiction can have a role in developing hope and faith and belief in, in people. And that and that it's okay to be happy. It's okay for fiction to make you feel happy. Yeah. You don't always have to be looking into the void <laughs> yeah. to be a deep person. Yeah. <laughs> Books yeah. don't have to be depressing. They don't have to be, and it's actually after I wrote this that I started to realize just how depressing so many novels are. Mm. Um, and, I, and I'd never questioned that before because maybe I thought that's what a novel's meant to be. You know, that's what an artist's meant to be. You're meant to be a wreck and your fiction is meant to make people feel really bad. <laughs> and um, yeah, mm. and, and, and just writing this book made me realize that that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there any writers that inspired you that you're like, oh, like they're, they're the kind of people that have made you think, actually, I want to write one of these? <laughs> um, and did they have happy or sad endings? I wonder if you're challenging your contemporaries. or. <laughs> well, I know that as a kid, I read Arkin Ryan quite a lot, mm-hmm. who is exactly the same, um, in terms of India, the same family background as mm-hmm. me. And he has this very loving uh, narrative towards, especially in his early novels, before his wife died, after his wife not died, he, he quite young. He got mm. a bit darker, but there was just this love that suffused his novels and this affection for his for the characters. And I, I think I'm I'm glad I read him when I was young because that sort of stayed in my head that it is actually not only allowed, but it's but it's a very nice thing yeah. to to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's this, and I don't want to use the word trend because I think it should stay forever. Um, but this this um, we're starting to call um, books uplit. Mm. <laughs> so th- so literally like. Up, like uplifting literature. Um, do you think that that has like wh- why people are so interested in that at the moment? Do you think that is because of the political times and inverted commas? Because obviously, in your book, you pertain uh, to the fact that that Donald Trump's just been elected, <laughs> and and that's that's part of um, his his thinking behind. I don't know, not his thinking behind it, but he he references it as part of the kind of grumpiness mm. that he has about the world. Um, do you think that affects people reading as well? I think we're all very worried. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's got to the point where we're now getting worried about being worried. Because <laughs> <laughs> like we've been worried for so long. <laughs> because it, 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 we're, we're living in a period where I think, rashly, there isn't actually that much cause for hope in a lot of ways. Mm. Because we've got the climate change, or climate change, the environmental destruction mm. problem. Do you think climate change is a too soft term? Yeah, so no, right. just like, it sounds like a kind of it's change been in the a weather. Sunny day today. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got the very serious and very real possibility of nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the singularity coming when the robots take over, mm-hmm. um, which I always thought was a joke until I talked to people who actually understand it, and then I started getting quite worried. And then we got fascists. So, I mean, people, I think, uh, consciously, unconsciously, are actually thinking to, starting to think in terms of species extinction a mm-hmm. lot more. And I think you need something more than hope to get through that. I think you need faith to get through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why this category yeah. uplit has arrived. Yeah, faith <laughs> in books, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to tell truth. So uh, Professor Chandra uh, moves to California, so uh, which has a lot of, like, he notes the way people act a little bit differently. Um, in some ways, there's this happier outlook, but it also has like a bit of a dark undertone. How did you, because you're quite familiar with the US, yeah. aren't you? How did you go about writing? Because, you know, that obviously writing is really about the characters, but you, you also have to write about these backgrounds. How did you go about writing about America? Well, yeah, I mean, we were talking about affection before. I mean, California is mm. somewhere I have tremendous affection for. I yeah. love it there. I met a guy from California the other day. I said, where are you from? He said, California. I said, oh, so am I. And then I realized... 
was talking total <laughs> nonsense. In a British accent, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't live there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But uh, it's somewhere I feel very, very at home, and I have a, a you know real affinity with the place. So it was just a lot of fun because it, again, th- then it doesn't become satire because it's so easy to satir- satirize mm-hmm. California because it's so over the top. Yeah. Um, but if you have an affinity with it, then it ends up being this this affectionate form of sort of gently ribbing a place rather than yeah like you'd rib like a best friend or something for their fault rather than son or something yeah yeah just someone you love and um and california's kind of uh, spiritual meditation scene again is 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 in some ways ridiculous it's so over the top and before i i um i think on my first day there uh, i went straight to a meditation retreat in the mountains in uh, outside san diego and somebody said 90 percent of Californian spirituality is crap. And wow. I think I've encountered almost entirely the 10%. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, everything I encountered there was actually, you know, something, mm-hmm. there's a lot of skepticism uh, when I would arrive at a place. Um, and that's partly being British has got something to do with it. And then you, <laughs> We're just uh, inherently suspicious of everyone. ridiculous. <laughs> <and it's kinda laughs> so over the top. I mean, I remember once I was, uh, you know, at a, at a, I'd just gone for the date. Mm. And everyone was very glamorous, very white, and very rich. Mm. And I just thought, well, what is this? You know, what am I doing in this place? Yeah. And then people started asking questions to the meditation teacher. And then you realize, well, actually, everybody's got real problems. Mm. Everybody. And yeah. even if you're white and rich, you have real problems. You know, you're not free from cancer, death, old age, divorce, you know, the whole lot of things that take, you know, depression, mm. the things that tear people apart. So, um, and that's you know some people need spirituality so they're there people need healing they need they need love and mm-hmm. that's you know if you're not getting that elsewhere that's where that's generally where you go yeah. yeah and do you think as well there's this turn towards do you, do you see that like the practice of meditation is becoming more more widely it's it's spread? huge it's huge in the yeah. US because it's quite an ancient mm. practice well yeah. say quite ancient <laughs> is like an, <laughs> an understatement um, mm. but do you think we're kind of turning towards older practices because the new stuff hasn't worked for us? or Well, I think it's the old stuff that hasn't worked for the West. Right, yeah, that's, that's true. That's been the phrase. Yeah. It's, it's the failure of, of, of Christianity. Mm. With each generation seems to just be abandoning Christianity more and more and more and saying, well, this is just not relevant to us. This uh, The church has become an institution that we just can't mm. relate to anymore. You know, I met so many people in America who saw it as, as if having no more value than McDonald's. Right, mm. and, then, and then, okay, okay, fine. So, you, you know, once you remove that, what are you left with? You know, you, you're left with yourself. The worst yourself. thing, <laughs> <laughs> or the kind of cleverness. So you're left with capitalism. You're left with you know very smart people in universities, yeah. right? But uh, but you're not left with anything that can help you deal with the problem of unhappiness. So mm. I think therefore people are turning to to Buddhism and yoga and so on. And obviously, then importing something with a with another social from another social context, you know, something mm. that my parents have abandoned in India in the same way that people have abandoned Christianity. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, but but you're you're immune from that social context. It doesn't apply to you. Yeah. And so there can be problems with that. Uh, you know, people just being totally unaware of caste and how they're practicing practices that have certain fascist undertones that they're yeah, completely they unaware of. But on the other hand, Buddhism is fairly safe on that front. Mm. Fair I mean there's obviously Buddhist fundamentalism in Sri Lanka and in um, Burma and so on, but but uh, I, th- I think it's something that does travel very well, mm. and I think it's traveled quite well to California, and it, and and it's it, it seems to be um, it, it it doesn't appear to have been 
corrupted beyond or, or just or just sort of capitalized beyond a point where it's no longer of value to people that's good because it's yeah. again you have to do it with respect i suppose and like yeah find, finding that bridge for for especially if people are selling it or like well, charging you for it it's like finding that bridge between like respect and knowing the history of it and well, not you, you don't even it, have to know the history really yeah. you just have to actually do the practice and if you're if what you want is to be entertained and have pleasure and have a good time then you're working often against the practice because you're, right. you're not facing your own discomfort and pain mm. and suffering and so on so because it's the truth in it that's kind of can't sometimes isn't fun <laughs> yeah well exactly yeah. the truth very rarely <laughs> yeah. in life you know the, the truth is you're suffering so if you're if you're taking a consumer approach to it, it, it it's not going to work by definition mm. you know because um consumerism is all about having a good time <laughs> it's yeah. all about gratification and yeah. buddhism is all about cutting that gratification to uh, you know that, that, gratif- that need for gratification is the source of your suffering so yeah. the two are <laughs> going yeah. in opposite directions definitely um so this podcast is going to come out in january at the same time as your book uh, exciting mm-hmm. um what do you hope that people take away from the book what are some things that you're like i hope they i hope they i hope it makes them happy while they read it mm-hmm. um i hope that it may help them to consider how they can heal parts of themselves that are unhealed that maybe it can provide a little more hope and faith yeah. uh, in people's lives if it can do that then i really feel i'll have done something worthwhile yeah and if it just entertains people well that's okay <laughs> that's, we also need some entertainment that's why i love it like i feel like professor chandra i was like i just had this like warmth towards him even though i was like oh you're such a muttering like like kind of grumpy old man <laughs> but um i loved him as well um do you have any new year's resolutions anything you want to do next year 2019 is the year of chilling out <laughs> I don't know if I have any yet. Oh, sorry, um, I've spent you into a spiral of... <laughs> I would really like not to smoke. I smoked this year. Uh, after, after 16 years. After 16 years. After all this meditation. Yeah. So, um... I mean, the ozone layer's going down anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I go, yeah, yeah but not in my lungs. It's not... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I uh, don't want to do that. Uh, I, what I would really like, actually, is to... My two-hour meditation practice sometimes goes through lapses. Right. I'd like to keep those to the absolute minimum. Maybe mm. none at all would be nice. Um, what else? Wish for a routine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a routine. Of, yeah, that's yeah. good. Brilliant. Thank you so much for writing such a bloody brilliant book. And um, I can't wait for everybody to read it in January. Lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Vintage Podcast and I really hope you do pick up a copy of Professor Chandra Follows His Bliss. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, Do follow us on Twitter at Vintage Books if you've got any thoughts on this episode. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time. (laughs) 